Welcome everyone once again to the Cyber People Podcast. This is the Cyber, Pe Cyber People Podcast, part of Latitude Live. Why, why do we call it the Cyber People Podcast? Well, that's very easy. It's all about cyber people, the wonderful people uh, that make up the Australian cybersecurity industry. Um, and this podcast is not only for our peers, but it's also for anyone out there who has heard about cybersecurity uh, and wants to know more about it, perhaps even consider a career in it. Um, it is, of course, something that is very much uh, uh, all over the media and in the front of everyone's minds, and even it's part of everyday vernacular. I mean, we use the word hack all the time. That's a cybersecurity word, you know, fitness hack, growth hack, you know, there's Everyone's talking about hacks. So cybersecurity is on the words on everyone's lips. So that's why we're talking about it. There's a dearth of candidates in the Australian market. We're hoping that this podcast will pique people's interests in the field and will get them coming over in droves to contribute to this wonderful industry. So without further ado, ado, not ado, ado, uh, I would like to introduce uh, the wonderful Ben Mendes. Ben, hey. welcome to our podcast. Hey, thank you. Very flattering uh, introduction there for me. Wonderful people of cyber. I mean, I, we do our best, right? <laughs> That's more than enough. And uh, yeah, you know, we try and look our best too, right? All these, all these great is, beards. It's wonderful. Industry. It's a thank lustrous so beard. Yes, I've been and growing it for a while now. <laughs> you have a tremendous handlebar moustache, like an old-fashioned... Uh, oh, yeah. A bad guy from a Sherlock Holmes novel. I, can, I love it. I, I can tell you, it's probably it's probably more work than it's worth. Sometimes I get coffee, pizza, all sorts of things in it. Tell me, when you're in meetings with clients and things, and they ask you a difficult question, do you sort of oh, uh, twiddle it uh, contemplatively absolutely. as you're considering your it's, answer? It's the way it's the way to show them that I that I'm concentrating. Right, give them give them confidence in my abilities. <laughs> it's the oracle. The oracle. Let me just consult the beard for the answer. Yep. That's it. So Ben, who who are you? Who is Ben Menzies? Who are hey, you, Ben? Yeah, so so an introduction of myself. So obviously I am Ben. So thank you for the introduction. Um, people like to generally refer to me as uh, Benzies, actually, uh, and and the biggest reason for that is that I've, I've worked with so many Bens in in our office now that that we get very confused on which Ben is which. So we've often shortened our names or given us nicknames, and I just get Benzies because it's really easy. It catches on and people love it, right? So Benzies is my is my nickname. I use it all over my social media, so it's very easy to find me. Um, which is why we're probably here today, right, to talk a bit about online safety and privacy and all that sort of stuff. So, um, but aside from my name, uh, I also tend to uh, enjoy other activities outside of cybersecurity. Um, so things like mountain biking, uh, spending time with my family. Uh, when I can brew beer, I try and brew beer. It's been a while, though. Um, you know, family and, and cyber seems to take up a lot more of that time these days. <laughs> um, and if, if there's any other spare time, you know, there, there are some other cyber-related activities I like to, to dabble in. So, yeah, yes. a little brief introduction of me. Yes, absolutely. And, and by the way, um, at the end of this podcast, when Ben shares with us the best way, or Benzies shares with us the best way to get hold of him, um, I should also add that uh, not only is um, he someone that should be contacted on all matters cybersecurity, but also um, if you're into mountain biking uh, or beer brewing, you should also get in touch with him because Ben, you, I understand you also, when you're not doing cybersecurity, you also have a, a mountain biking fraternity or some kind of association. Is that true? 
that's that's right exactly right uh it's it's a way it's a stress relief right you know the the, the cyber world can get very stressful um and you just you just need to get a break out there you, you need to go and visit nature get dirty get sweaty have some fun and and just have a break from it all so it's it's a it's a, been one of those sports that i've been really enjoying for the for the last 10 years actually i've been doing this for a long time <laughs> excellent excellent and you've obviously not landed on your face at all you are a, a beautiful man i don't see any scars there are you sure are you yeah. sure have you have you looked under the beard not yet not yet <laughs> not yet and one of these days when i come to canberra perhaps i will be privileged enough to I'll, see under the beard i'll share i'll share with you all of my scars and injuries <laughs> fantastic fantastic let's talk about cyber scars first so ben um perhaps you could Tell us, like, how did you, like, what do you do? Who do you do it for? And how did you end up doing what you're doing? Yeah, so, so at the moment, I am a consultant for a company called CyberCX. Um, so CyberCX is, is quite a big company now. Um, I was originally a part of a, a, a smaller company called TSS. Um, and they were bought up by CyberCX along with 18 other companies now. Um, so you may or may not have heard of them in the industry, or at least the people who are listening to this podcast may or may not have heard of them. Hey, your, uh, your camera's gone out there. Um, okay. No one panic. Don't worry. I'm <laughs> no a one panic. It's all right. I'm a trained professional. Don't try this at home, kids. Actually, do. We need more podcasts out there. This is how I know you're telling the truth so I can actually see your face. How can you tell when a recruiter is lying? Well, that's a very good question. Something, something we may cover today. We'll find <laughs> out. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so, so CyberCX, I do consulting at the moment. So I'm a part of a team called uh, Security Integration Engineering. Mm-hmm. Um, and engineering has been a big part of my career focus for the last 16 years now. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get more involved in that in a second. Um, but, but a big part of our team, you know, we, we, we solve security problems uh, through technology and engineering. Um, and we're generally the, one of the first con- contacts for, for security problems, right? Um, a customer will come to us saying they want to solve a problem where they need firewall policies in or they need antivirus solutions or EDR solutions, things like that, we will be the point of contact and we'll give them the, the assistance and take them on a journey of solving those security problems for them. Um, so without selling the company too much further, I'll talk a little bit about my, my history. Okay. Um, so, so I like to think that my, my cyber career started probably when I was, I was, I was a little tight. You know, uh, my, my parents had a, an Atari and even a, a 486, I remember, from, from when I was a kid. And, um, and just some of the things you do when you're a kid, you know, you, you do some dumb stuff, right? You know, you click buttons or you delete things. And, and I think it was that, that sort of <laughs> interest that, that spiked me at the time when I was a kid. You know, I was, I was trying to play Doom of all games, right? And everybody knows Doom. It's one of my favorite games mm. of all time. Um, Great body count. Up, exactly, right? You know, and it's yeah. just constant violence at games. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, who doesn't love that, that engaging type, type of game, right? Um, but it was, it was a game I remember so far back now, I was, I was probably about eight years old and I ended up deleting the, the shortcut link to the game and I absolutely panicked. You know, I didn't tell my dad what was going on. I thought I broke the computer, you know, I was panicking, but, but somehow miraculously I found the executable to, to find and play Doom again. And I was so pleased with myself. And that's probably where all this sort of started to begin, right? It was that first time I actually problem solved something on, on something cyber related. And it sort of, sort of sparked my interest from then on. And, 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 and throughout the years, I had various different computers given to me, just, just hand-me-downs and, and nothing too crazy. You know, most of the time I was spending my, my, my journey through on, on CLI and, and I'd just type in various commands and see what would happen. 
And Sorry, Ben. Uh, just for those out there that uh, don't know what you mean by CLI, please, please. Uh, hey, yeah, command line us. interface. Okay. Yes, yes, please. Uh, if I if I'm saying too many com confusing words, I'll I will certainly break them down for you. That's, that's Thank not you. a problem. Thank you. Um, so command line interface, right? It's it's just your basic prompt of a computer. You're you're, you're typically given a, a short prompt where it says C drive or it says um, user at something, right? Depending on your operating system. And you're given the option to type in your commands, and so that was that was sort of my next sort of journey into into IT. You know, there was this, just this computer sitting on my desk at home, and it had nothing on it except for a CLI. And I'm like, cool, what do I do with this? So you punch in various commands, and eventually I found a, another game to play. Right, so so here we are playing games again on, on these computers. But but throughout this entire journey, I'm, I'm learning more about how to interact with a computer, yeah. um, which takes me further and further down this this journey. Right, so. So eventually we get to to, to high school, um, and these are, these are sort of my my first memories of, of sort of dabbling into the security world of, of technology. Um, and I remember, and I tell this story quite often, um, that that one day I managed to find um, everybody's uh, assignments and work that they did on on the school network, and <laughs> and uh, and I, uh -oh. I I still can't tell you how I did it. I must have been doing one of my sort of click throughs and and checking things and going, wow, what does this do? Kind of journeys, right? Um, and I ended up spending—I ended up spending more time um, stealing people's assignments and work than I actually did spending the, the time on the assignments. So I was learning something <laughs> different at the same time. Uh, same time I should have been learning what, what was being given to me, right? And so I you were, you were stealing people's work, and were of you course. copying that? Were you plagiarizing? Of course, of course, because I had no time left <laughs> to actually do any work. <laughs> so I stole their work, put it in, put it in the word documents, handed it to the teacher. Verbatim. You know, and, Verbatim. And for, or did you? Right, were you, you clever? Know. Pretty much verbatim, right? It was, it was, it was a direct <laughs> copy. There was, there was no effort involved in there. I had no time left to actually do the, do the work I was assigned. Um, but you know that that is essentially the beginning of what what was cybersecurity for me. Um, so you were a hacker. You were like a, a prepubescent hacker. Pre prepubescent. I'd like to think so, but but this is <laughs> this is the biggest thing about security, right? It, it's 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 really it's um. Want to trying to think of the right word? Sorry, it's. It's just a, a lack of understanding sometimes, you know, what, what is available to you and how can you, how can you um, make use of all the tools around you to protect a, a network or a data network, right? And at the time, this is, this is just Windows NT. Um, so this is a very, very long time ago, right? Um, there were no security controls. You know, there was a way to bypass the authentication prompt where you're you, at, at the very start of, of a login. So, you know, you get your username and password, you put that in. There were various um, methods to get around that where you could load up um, an Explorer window and, and execute the Explorer um, executable behind all of that and just log in without the username prompt. So this is, this is a very, very long time ago where, where wow. security was just, a, just a, a, a roadblock really or a speed hump along the way, right? It was, it was nothing. Um, <laughs> but it wasn't, it wasn't very long before the school caught on and it actually started to put in proper security policies throughout the place, right? So... Um, it got a little bit harder to to steal people's work from that point onwards. <laughs> so you were kind of, uh, without even realizing it, you were doing what you do now back then by accident. Your actions were prompting people to beef exactly up their right. security. Exactly right. Wow, and that's pretty amazing the way things turn out like that. Isn't, isn't it? it? Yeah, and it, and it took me a long time to actually realize that. It wasn't until I went to a, a B-Sides conference back in, I think it was 2014 actually, where where all of these all of these amazing talkers were talking about all the various hacks and vulnerabilities and 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 things that they did and it was it was a conference about just about everything right it wasn't just software vulnerabilities or network vulnerabilities 
um, there was there was people talking about um, writing writing different sorts of code to to for bug bounties. Um, there was a guy talking about how you can hack elevators. There was another guy talking about hacking um, just standard padlocks and which one were, were were more secure. And and it was that trigger at this particular time in this particular conference. I went, I've been doing this a lot longer than I thought, and I've been finding various ways to to make what what I want to work for me, where really it's 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 a vulnerability in the system, right? Um, I'm trying to think of more examples along the way because because you sort of forget because you're just trying to do your job sometimes where 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 those weaknesses are um, there and and where you're trying to uh, complete your work or you're trying to find a way around something ends up being a vulnerability in a network or a system or or any piece of software, right? Um, and, there, and there may be people out there listening now that that realize they may be finding a way around something where they don't actually realize it's a vulnerability in, in the way this process is operating. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I love that story, Ben. It reminds me of um, Bill Gates. I don't know how much of this is truth or, or legend, but it's a great story either way. Uh, he found his uh, penchant for um, programming and software by uh, manipulating the school computer to ensure that any school that he any class that he enrolled in had like a sort of 90% women to men ratio so he would end up being like the only guy in a classroom full of girls for all the subjects that he chose and I think Mark Zuckerberg did something similar I mean not as fun but I think he did something similar uh which sort of led him down the Facebook path as well it, Correct exactly, me if I'm yeah. wrong, but I like those stories of people yeah. kind of discovering their vocation by accident, you know? Exactly right. It, that's exactly right. You know, you, it's, it can start so young sometimes or it can start later on. It really doesn't matter when, when it starts. But, but the moment you realize, you know, you've been doing this for so long is where you really sort of, it triggers in your head. You're like, you know, I can do this. You know, I, I'm confident in, in my ability to deliver. I'm confident in what I can do. And, 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 and it gets to a certain point you can actually talk confidently about this these sorts of things right so yeah it's a, it's a it's an interesting journey you can take sometimes Big time. um but yeah you know that's that's sort of the beginning of it right it was um my, my career path um started just around uh year 11 and 12 for me actually so so back then um the school i i, I went to was offering what's called sits which is a school's what was it snaps i'm trying to remember now school based in your apprenticeship that's right yeah so snaps is what they called it um, and it was a fantastic opportunity to really start getting my hands grubby in IT, um, where I could go to school and start a, an apprenticeship while I was at school for the school I went to. So it was very basic work, right? Um, and all, all what it did was introduce me what uh, introduced me to the to the world of, of of system administration at the time. So I was I was doing a standard study at the time. I was I think I was studying CompTIA, um, where the, the CompTIA office uh, CompTIA Security, but it was Networking Plus and Administration Plus. I think at the time um, I was doing my CCNA then back then as well. So I got introduced into the world of networking. Um, so all of those all those various skills um, and 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 classes I went to uh, very much applied to the work and the apprenticeship that I was doing at the time. Um, where again, uh, actually this this is another story for me. I remember now it was uh, it was back a long time ago. I don't know if I'll get in trouble for this, but it was so long ago it probably doesn't matter anymore. Um, but the at the time the <laughs> the Cisco course that I was studying um, uh, was was only available on the school network. Yeah, you lost your camera again. I know. Okay. You just can't get the help <laughs> these days, you know. You just, get, you just get a little fan on the back of it. 
You're right. You're right. Absolutely. Old school. Right. I've always loved driving manual instead of automatic. It's fine. <laughs> so so they, they were offering the Cisco course, but it was all, all an internal um, Flash-based application right on a website. And I said to them, and I realized that you could take a copy of it and, and take it home with me. And, and at the time, we were still on dial-up connections, so it was horribly slow. It was, it was, it was miserable, right? Downloading any MP3 off Kazaa took half an hour. I don't know if you remember Kazaa. It was a very long time ago. It was, it was a fantastic. I'm older than you, too, I reckon. Right? Are you reckon? Ranger. I don't yeah, know. I'm 44, 1976. 40, oh, there you go. I'm, yeah. I'm almost 10 years younger. There you yeah. go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, so, so at the time, right, um, I needed a way to study at home because, because I practically had no internet connection at home. And, and the school was saying, you just need to log in and study on the weekends or, or print, out, print out the contents, right? And the printouts were, were horrible, you know, because it was all flash-based stuff. You had to take screenshots and print it out, and it was, it was, it was a, it was a nightmare trying to study, study it at the time. So, one day, of course, I'm, I'm dabbling around, <laughs> and uh, and they and they ran two two mm. operating systems at the school, right? Um, mm. They they had Windows operating systems to 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 manage the main the main uh, school accounts, but they also um, started using uh, Linux terminal servers. So they'd use any any old um, computer that didn't have a hard drive in it. And they would they would network boot those into a into a, a network boot system that would load up a basic Linux operating system, and then you had the ability to browse the internet or do your studies or anything like that on there. But um, what they failed to do at the time was was again secure down their their data stores. And I ended up finding all of the all the course material. I downloaded it, burned it burned it to a CD, and took it home and studied it at home. <laughs> so again, it's one of those those journeys where. Where security uh, just wasn't just wasn't as effective as it should have been at the time, um, and I didn't use it nefariously. I, I used it in a in a way that would better me um, in in both ways, right? You know, at the time I, I learned how to use the Linux operating system as well as continue my studies on on the CCNA. Yeah. Um, so so it was beneficial in two ways, but probably not the right thing to do. Yeah. Good practice, <laughs> though. Very good practice. Good practice. That's right. You know, and and like I said, this is this is one of those things. It's the beginning of of your security journey. A lot of us are in this industry because we found ways around things that shouldn't have been there or shouldn't have existed. Yeah. Uh, and then later on, we realized, wow, we shouldn't have, probably shouldn't have done that. You know, I could have gotten in trouble if, if anybody found out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I, uh, I totally understand that enthusiasm. You know, when I was a kid and playing video games, we'd often play them ad nauseum and we'd start to learn where all of the um, vulnerabilities, I guess, looking back on it were, you know, like, like little sort of um, code code mistakes that would enable you if you like walked at a certain wall at a certain angle yep. you could like fall through a level and end up on the next one or something yep. some, or just exactly. get some crazy hack yep. where you'd get like unlimited lives or whatever yep um yep. or you know we 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 we'd we'd bang our heads against the wall in a specific level that was too hard we couldn't get through yep. and then we'd go we'd go onto like youtube or whatever and we'd research cheats you know yep Someone out there had put like a million and one cheats for getting unlimited ammo or to get right to the last level or yep. so actually, yeah, I suppose my career in cybersecurity started uh, a long time ago as well. There but you anyway. go, right? You know, so we, we all had some sort of involvement in a way, right? Um, which is a really important thing to realize because this is where I said before, anybody is capable in this career, right? It, and, and, and discussions we've had, uh, you know, if you, if you show an interest in this career, uh, path and and you and you have the ability to continuously learn. You know you you have a career in cybersecurity effectively, right? 
um, the, the interest and the ability to learn is the two most important things we look for in, in any cybersecurity hiring. Um, but yeah, no, continuing on. So, so school-based apprenticeship, did that, um, got through that. And then I joined a, a small company um, uh, in Canberra uh, who, who at the time uh, were, were doing uh, data and storage. Um, but my main job at the time was, was system administration again. So, so I'd go out to customer side side. I'd look at their, their servers. Um, I'd do, do basic updates. I'd check through event logs um, and report back on anything that was an issue and, and, and let the customer know and, and then in, in fix anything that were, were an issue at the time. So at this point, um, you know, my, my career just sort of kept going down the system administration path. Uh, when networking became a part of this because it was, it was very quickly becoming a big part of what, what it meant to have an enterprise network. Um, but storage was just a big part of it at the time, and that was sort of the buzzword at the time when when I was working in this field. Um, this is this is just before cloud became a thing. So so huge amounts of storage. There was still a lot of on-premise things. Um, virtual machines were slowly becoming a thing too. Um, a lot of people were still running bare metal um, operating systems. So all your domain controllers, all your storage, any web application was was installed directly on a server. Where and then and then virtual servers were very quickly becoming a thing at the time. So, virtual technology, storage technology, and networking technology was a very big thing at the time. Uh, and and my biggest focus and my specialty at the time was networking. Um, so, <laughs> networking in two ways, which was good: um, the technical sense and the people sense. Um, I learned a lot more about how to deal with people, uh, which is a, an important thing uh, in this in this career as well, um, because a lot of a lot of people in IT. Can struggle with with the confrontation or, or people people part of this job, um, which is why they're so good at the technical side of it. Sometimes you know you, you don't need to deal with people to deliver good solutions, um, but you do need to be able to communicate them. Is so so that's a very very important thing I learned uh, much early on in my career too. Um, so I then moved on to a, a, a larger um, company. Um, again, systems administration, but this time um, security started to become a, a much more real thing at the time. Um, we had to think more about how we would protect our different domains, um, how we would allow people to run uh, BYOD devices. So BYOD is bring your own. Um, so we're thinking about iPhones, iPads, um, their own personal laptops, and how we would connect those to the corporate network without compromising it. Um, Cloud was, was, again, that was becoming a very big thing at the time. And, and it was hard to understand what, what cloud meant at the time. Um, you know, to me, it was just a buzzword because I understood it as a, as a excuse me, a, um, a, a data center full of servers, right, that just served a purpose. And, and it sounded like a, a sort of cash grab in a way, like, um, you know, someone would own the servers and they'd sell it to you at a premium price and you wouldn't have to worry about it. And at the time, I'm like, no, no, this is, this is a silly idea. Don't worry about it. Um, but then I very quickly realized the, the value in it where, where people wanted to bring their own devices and, and how we would combat those challenges as well. Um, so, so taking on, on those challenges, we, we had things like uh, antivirus solutions where we had to be able to update our security policies anywhere in the world. Um, and so cloud, cloud was, was the option at the time and, and having cloud services. So that was a, a really good introduction to that and, and, and ensuring that all of those different security zones inside of that network were secure. Um, from there, I moved on to another company and I was a gateway engineer. Um, so this, this was probably the, the very start of, of, a, of an actual cybersecurity career, <laughs> I would say, um, because we actually took security a lot more seriously in, in, this, in this context. 
um, we had to follow um, what's called the ISM, so the Information Security Manual. Um, there's, there was at the time it was a it was a, almost a compliance check um, where the controls inside of the ISM were 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 listed as should and must. So a, a quick example of that one is if you're running an SSH server, um, you should uh, use a strong encryption, but you must use a password. And that's probably a really poor way of uh, giving an example. Um, I'd have to makes get that. Perfect get the, sense. It, it makes you, sense, 100%. right? I, I think I think the controller actually listed is wrong, but <laughs> um, you know you, you've got that compliance where where you you should or you must, and 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 where it says you must, you must follow this in order to meet a security standard, and and the security standards we 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 meet here in in, in Canberra where I work a lot, um, typically you get baseline uh, networks and you get protected networks. Um, and, the, and the one I was looking at at the time was a protected network. So, so uh, yeah, the ISM was, was our, as our golden manual, golden manual on protecting this particular network. Um, so as a gateway engineer, um, a lot of my job was, was putting in firewall policies, um, uh, working with proxies, um, and a little bit of networking here and there just to direct traffic. Um, but that, that is where cyber really started to begin for me. So, so the, the firewall policies are pretty, pretty straightforward. You know, you're only letting traffic in and out where the traffic is approved to go in and out. Um, proxies were another really good way to to start understanding um, how security worked in a network, where you're you're hiding users behind um, this sort of central point, and, and you have the ability to inspect the traffic that is flowing between these devices before it leaves the network to to ensure that there's no malware or viruses or um, links that they can't visit. Um, so we're blocking users based on the web addresses they're visiting. Um, we're allowing um, certain things through because they they need it. Just trying to sort of think of good examples. Sorry, <laughs> like rules, rule. Um, like you just rules. set up a whole heap of rules for the. That's exactly right. You for know. the gateway. Um, yeah, like a you know, like a border, like a border checkpoint. That's exactly right. You know, yeah. and, it, and it, it's the check right between them. Um, and and there's a lot of a lot of security um, things that we had to learn at the time. So yeah. well, I had to learn as well. Um, so simple things like SSL inspection, um, where even though you have an encrypted connection, so if you open up um, Google or, or your Gmail these days, you, you get a HTTPS connection. We had to open up that connection, inspect it um, for any, any nefarious activities, um, or even, even DLP was another one, actually. So data loss prevention. We're preventing um, users from leaking information out from the network and store it on their on their personal G drive or putting it yeah. on a on a on a on a Dropbox, right? Mm. We're we're trying to prevent all of those. Um, which is which is sort of what we're really trying to prevent is is the human error rather than than a, any anyone being nefarious or trying to leak data out from a network. Um, which then took me into uh, another company um, where I became a cybersecurity consultant. Um, and uh, at this time again I was I was back to um, dealing with people. Uh, and, and solving um, a lot more security problems based on, on all the previous knowledge that I gained along the way. Um, but we, we, we often talked with customers, sorry, I often talked with customers where the ISM was, was again, your golden manual you needed to follow. Um, but at the time uh, when, I, when, I, when I started on this, this particular path as well as a cybersecurity consultant, the Essential 8 was also released as well. Um, so that became a real key component of, of my work um, where we, we would look at the maturity of of the network, um, look at the controls that they had down the left side of the table, and then identify where they 
that where they sat in that maturity model and how we could further achieve um, a better maturity for that network. Um, and, and you realize um, as you start going up in, in the maturity, the technology increases, the difficulty increases, and the costing increases. Um, so it's a very, it became a very interesting um, way to, to secure networks. Um, and then the ISM went from, from compliance to risk-based as well. Um, so no, no longer was it a should or a must, it was a, a recommendation to put these in places. Um, right. So yeah, it's, it's a good, good way to see, it's good to see how, how it's all sort of shifted along the way. Because, um, but because different organizations have different risk profiles or appetites. Exactly right. Exactly right. And, and, the, and, the, and the, the risk and the responsibilities push back on, on the department or the, or the business to, to assess themselves. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, that's a, it's a, that's a big journey. Um, so I've finished though, <laughs> 16 years of career so far. Um, I went to, went to the next company um, after that uh, and I joined their SOC. Um, and it was, a, it was another fantastic way to, to sort of... Sorry, Ben, involved. what is a SOC for the uninitiated? SOC, yeah, that's all right. So Security Operations Center okay. is what that stands for. Uh, or, or the big long acronym is, is MSS SOC. So okay. um, Managed Security Service Security Operations Center. Okay. <laughs> um, and, and, and the purpose of, of a SOC is to, is to deliver security um, monitoring for uh, the customers that we onboard. So we would, we would ingest... Um, gigabytes you know and when i say gigabytes i'm talking five to one terabyte of, of logs a day um and we would have to break down those those logs and find out where the anomalies lied within that so a big part of my job in in the SOC was as i was a security engineer um so i dealt a lot with the the data transfer between customer and the SOC. um and 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 this is a protected SOC too so we're talking about protected um, domains as well once once that data comes in it cannot leave the SOC area which is which is what was a really key part of, of this SOC um, because when we when we went to our customers we could say with confidence that that we've been assessed and that we would um, not release their data outside of that that particular network um, but what we did do for them is we we established uh, use cases um, that they would they would tick a box saying yes we would want that uh, we would ingest their data and then we would build the use case according to their environment. Um, if the use case was matched, then we would alert uh, the customer and, and notify them of the, of, the, of the alert or the breach or whatever it is um, at the time. So, yeah, and then, and then once that was gobbled up by CyberCX, um, I moved into the team I'm in now as a, as a consultant, uh, again, a security consultant, um, delivering good security outcomes for all of our new customers. Um, okay. for that will eventually plug into the sock. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Yeah. A long journey. Sorry. We, we took out what, 20 no, minutes? No, talking no, about no, that? no, no. But I, that's the whole thing that I really want to um, expose people to, you know, the journey that people make through the cybersecurity industry, you know, how they get into it and how they end up doing what they're doing, what they do, and then, you know, what the future holds. So I'm yeah. glad you shared that. I'm glad you shared that. But I think what you would also like to talk about is um, we've been discussing recently, you and I, online safety. And I believe that's, uh, you know, yes. I mean, like, is, I mean, online safety is like, what is cybersecurity? Is that what cybersecurity is? Online safety? Is that how you'd sum it up? Or It's definitely, yeah. definitely a part of it, right? Um, cyber, cybersecurity is a very broad term of what, what we can do in this technology uh, sense. Um, you know, we, we, we have, the engineering side, which is what I do. Um, we have the pen testing, uh, we have governance, risk and compliance, we have monitoring, 
Um, then we have all the business and strategy that surrounds it, right? We have um, these frameworks. So, so, the, so the, the, the central eight is one of those. There's also the NIST framework. Um, and then there's, there's the, the MITRE attack framework as well. So something you could research there, Will. Okay. Uh, and that's a pretty cool one to, to look through, actually, uh, the MITRE attack framework. Um, but yeah, you know, cyber, cyber is a very broad term. You know, you can, you can be very niche in this particular area too. And, and this is where I say that, that anybody is capable of, of doing this career path um, because just in pen testing itself, you know, you, you have um, the ability to pen test uh, software or you have the ability to, to pen test um, physical security. Um, so, you know, where, where most places have a swipe card to, to get into an office building, you know, you're, you're testing the security of, the physical security of that location. Um, and then you also have what, what we'll cover a bit today is, is, the, is the human element, right? So the, the, human, the human hack or the human vulnerability, as I, as I call it as well. Um, and, and, and the that's biggest one good, of all, right? The, the biggest first one and of last all, right? line of defense. The biggest yeah. threat and the biggest line of defense all in, all in one. Exactly right. And, and there's, a, there's a great meme out there somewhere. I'll have to find it for you. Um, but it's, it's a boxing ring, right? And, and, the, and, the, and, the, and the presenter says, you know, over in the left here, we have firewalls, we have proxy, we have, we have the best in the industry uh, that, that the cybersecurity can offer. And then over here on the right, we have day with a USB drive. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Which one wins, right? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's the human element that always wins uh, the, 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 the data leak in the end. So um, it's, it's sort of one of my favorite areas outside of my engineering space, um, finding out where, where we can expose uh, or, or even sort of break down the layers of security just through the human element. Um, so, yes, online, online safety, right? Let's get, let's get into it. Do, do you want okay. me to cover anything yeah. else before I... No, no, no. You, 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 you let fly. Let her rip. Go for let, it. Let the her floor rip, is yeah. yours. All good. So, so I, I made a couple of points here. I, I, think, I think they were just sort of to get us keep, to keep talking, right? Um, so I, I covered a point here of privacy. Um, and why does it matter? You know, should I, should I trust every LinkedIn recruiter? You know, why should I trust you, Will? <laughs> you shouldn't. <laughs> That's right. I shouldn't. Definitely and, and, not. And it's the same thing that should apply to everybody, right? We shouldn't trust anything online. Uh, another point I made here is um, why, would, why would doing online quizzes compromise my online and account security, right? Uh, and, and a final, step, uh, final point I've got here is uh, good safety steps everyone can take. Um, so I guess we'll start with the first one, right? So, so privacy. Um, I've done a couple of talks now, uh, and I sent them to you, Will, um, based on, on OSINT, right? Um, so, so OSINT stands for Open Source Intelligence. And, and, and the basics of it is, is um, it's any, any form of intelligence that you can gain on online or offline um, that is freely available to, to the public. So you could go to the library and you could find articles of, of newspapers from 20 years ago and you could, you could do some research on, on that to find a, 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 and, and solve a murder case that happened 20 years ago, right? Based on all, all the information you have in the library, that would be considered OSINT. You could um, pull data from, from the Bureau of Meteorology um, and, and build up your own website. Um, and where you're pulling that data, it's publicly available and it's free. So you could use that, that data um, and, and, and post it on a website. But that's not really covering OSINT yet. Um, you could also look at the birth, deaths, deaths and uh, marriages um, online, um, provided you have enough information to get into those databases. Um, you could also look at people's Facebook profiles, LinkedIn profiles. Um, Twitter accounts and, and those sorts of things, any sort of social media. Um, and this is where we sort of start stepping into the OSINT area a little bit more. Um, but you need, you, need, you need a predictable outcome when you've got intelligence evolved. 
So, so say for example, I wanted to to do some research on you, um, and and you probably already know this. I have already because it's what I do. It's one of my <laughs> favorite hobbies outside of outside of engineering. Yeah. Um, especially in the cyber sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so the very basics of this is, uh, I know you're already on LinkedIn. I know you're a recruiter, very basic information. That's, that's really all I need to know to get started and find out more information about you. Right. So of course the, the next sort of steps you take is, is you put your full name into a Google search and you find out what you can get. And, and it's at this point, you're, you're, you're returning a full list of information, um, about will and, 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 and will all the wills online, any, any other will, uh, will, whether all name online right so so this is where the, the intelligence piece comes into it right you need a predictable outcome so i know your face i know you're a recruiter and i know you're in sydney and based on that information i can find your facebook profile very quickly because on your facebook profile you have um, pictures of yourself at the beach you have pictures of yourself near sydney harbour you have pictures of yourself in, in bathing suits and all sorts of things right and so very quickly i've, I've <laughs> determined that is your facebook profile and so where, where else can I take this further, right? And this is where the online privacy um, part of this really becomes a really important thing for people. Um, I've already broken down very, uh, several pieces of information where, where I know your locale, I know who you are, I know what you do. Um, and, and now I want to start determining sort of your age or um, who are the people you might know or, or um, what your hobbies may, may be, right? Um, because this is all a part of, of what uh, turns into into a social engineering um, attack. Um, so so now I know a lot more about you, um, but I need to know more about you, right? So so already your your privacy online is is compromised in a way that that I can now start targeting you. Um, if I wanted to know more information. So so can can I trust every LinkedIn re- recruiter? Um, not really. <laughs> um, and the biggest reason is um, I'm sort of stepping all over here, all over the place here. Sorry, a little bit. I haven't really structured this too well. Um, but you can you can create online. Um, you can create what's called a, a, a fake. Well, it's not called anything. It's just a fake profile, right? Um, and you can use a website called This Person Doesn't Exist. And some people may have have noticed some some really interesting LinkedIn profiles here and there. Um, but there's a there's a good talk that Elite Dennis does. She's from the US and she's a she's a big social engineering um, person who does a lot of work. That's her profession actually. Uh, where she presented to us one day um, and used these these particular attacks to teach us on on how to do these better. Um, so you you create yourself a, a fake online identity. Um, you can use any fake name where where someone um, sorry a website can create a first name last name. They can give you a, a United States social security number. It's all fake by the way. Wow. Um, you can generate um, fake visa credit card numbers. So, so these all these um, work to an extent um, because they they are based on on algorithms to to make sure that they're legitimate numbers. Yeah. Um, so, so you have some sort of legitimacy at this point, right? Uh, but you still need a face and and a way to to identify yourself online. So that Alith actually talked about the the easiest way to identify yourself on LinkedIn is to pose as a recruiter. So you create your, your fake identity by, by fake face, uh, fake location, fake credit card number. If you absolutely need it, you don't. Um, and, then you, and then you put a few um, you know, places you've worked at. So I've worked at Latitude or I've worked at Hayes Recruitment and all those sorts of things, right? So now there's some level of legitimacy on your, your, your LinkedIn profile. So now as a, as a LinkedIn recruiter or a fake LinkedIn recruiter, 
I could now contact you and say, "Hey, Will, I'm uh, I'm in the uh, the market to be hired. Um, can I talk to you more about uh, any any opportunities at Latitude uh, Recruitment?" And and you you would look at my online LinkedIn profile, confirm my my fake online identity, confirm I'm, I'm an actual person, and that you want to talk to me, and then you'd start talking about all the things you do inside of Latitude Recruitment. And 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 so the point I think I make here is that. Um, any any information online can be used as an attack vector to trick you into handing over information. Right. Makes Are you sense. Sort of selling to sort of build a picture Big of time. that one. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because most that's what most, if I'm not mistaken, most cybersecurity, like a lot, you know, back in the day, we probably thought about um, hackers as being these sort of shady characters sitting in um, basements in in the former Soviet Union, um, hacking into systems using incredibly complex coding techniques, when in actual fact, most cyber, so cyber crime is social engineering rather than complicated exactly code attacks, right. right? Exactly right. You know, the, the, the most complex hacks in history have happened because of a human error somewhere. Um, so, so based on that, that information, right, I, I need to start thinking about socially engineering you. Um, so, so what I've what I've done with my OSINT um, techniques there, I've, I've done what's called pretexting. Um, so I've, I've, the pretexting covers who you are, what you do, um, and how I can start um, targeting you as as a target that I want to gain information from. Yeah. So at this point, um, I can either, like I said, contact you directly. Your your phone number is all over online. You're a recruiter. That's what you do. You need to do that. But for someone who isn't a recruiter, someone who may work in, in a government department, um, a bank or an insurance company, right? They're not going to be as obvious um, to the outside world as, as you would be. So, so now I want to create a new target, right? I want to target someone who works in an insurance company. And I want to find out um, the best way to, to create an insurance scam. And I'm certainly not recommending this to anybody, by the way. <laughs> but this is where, uh, this is where uh, the teaching of this becomes such an important thing so that people are more aware of these things. Um, but you could be anyone online. I could go into LinkedIn. I could look up um, Suncorp Insurance Company and find out people who work there and start looking through, through all the faces um, and all the, all, the, all the job titles and think about who might be the best target at this point. And it could be someone as simple as a receptionist. Um, and I actually did a talk at another company um, about how easy social engineering can be sometimes where I, my target was someone internal to a company. Excuse me. Um, and, and all I had to do was, was contact her beyond the receptionist um, and, and then gain, gain a piece of information from them. But, but the receptionist is a very easy target because it's their job to redirect uh, calls to someone internal. Yeah. Um, but you need to know a name, right? You need to know who you're calling, and 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 LinkedIn is your your very first place to do that, really. Um, so you could get Will, who works at uh, SunCorp Insurance Company. I'm going to call front reception. I'm going to say, um, "Hey, um, Alith, I'd like to talk to Will. Um, he's in the Sydney office. Um, I've been talking to him about my my car insurance issues." And she go, "Cool, great. You know, I'm just going to forward you through." And there we are. You know, I'm already at the first layer of of my attack sequence. Um, so now I already know who you are based on your LinkedIn information. I've looked at your Facebook profile. I've found out your hobbies. Um, I found out what you do, what your job title is in some corp. And now I can start thinking about what my next attack vectors are. So I know you, you work in the Sydney office because the receptionist has now forwarded me. Um, but how can I target your, your particular email address? 
So this is where the social engineering element can come in. Um, I can easily make conversation with you. I can talk about the hobbies, how I'm trying to deal with this car scenario. Um, maybe I just crashed my car, right? Can you, can you email me the details I need and the forms I need to fill in to, um, to fill out this car insurance claim, right? And you'd be like, cool, no worries. Let me send you an email. And, and already mm-hmm. there, right? You've got your, your email address, right? You know? mm. And this is very simple, right? And it, it may sound really simple and, and sort of common sense to a lot of people, um, but this is where a lot of these attacks begin. Uh, and this is why it's so important to, to verify a lot of information before you even start to engage in a conversation like this with someone. It's a confidence um, trick. You just, you're bold and assumptive and people exactly just right. assume that, oh, this is all very natural. Exactly right. Exactly right. And, that, and that's the most important thing about the social engineering part of this is that, is that you are confident in your ability to talk to people. <clears throat> so, so you've got their email and now you can create a, a spear phishing attack. Cheers. Drink of water. Thank you. I, I realize I've been talking for 50 minutes nonstop. You're doing good. You're doing good. <laughs> You don't sound like Tina Turner yet. I can promise you. I'll let you know when that happens. Yeah. (laughs) So now we've got an email address. Um, We can do a spear phishing attack where where now I've responded to to um, your request as as a car insurer uh, to scan in and send me a PDF of all the document details. But it's at this point um, the PDF could be compromised. Uh, Now a lot of the a lot of these security issues have been taken care of these days, but. Um, say I found a new vulnerability uh, and, and Suncorp is my target because Russian hackers have, have hired me and paid me half a million dollars to, to hack Suncorp and find out as much information I can about this insurance company so they can do better on their insurance companies or perform some sort of hostile takeover right? as, as a business. So it um, becomes very serious stuff at this point. <laughs> so now I have my, my new PDF vulnerability. I, I, I send it back to, to Will. Uh, and Wills opens it, sees that uh, the, the document looks legitimate, but at that point, the, the attack um, has started. Uh, so, so very, very easy attack, right? Um, and I've, I've targeted you in a very easy way, in a very easy manner, all because uh, I, could, I could research you online and because your privacy settings aren't as strong as they possibly could be. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because you've targeted the person, you're exploiting the person. The person is the vulnerability. Exactly right. Exactly right. So, so already at that point, right, I've, I've bypassed all their firewalls, all their antivirus checks, all their proxy servers, um, all their ADR detections, all their cloud services, everything, right? I haven't even ha- had to bother about that sort of stuff. I've just sent them an email and they're already compromised. And, and that's the scariest part of it sometimes, right? You don't need to know Goodness. the full picture. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is why a lot of people don't even realize They've been attacked, right? Like I was quite exactly. gobsmacked by that. Like a lot of people don't, they, 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 they engage a company like you or yours and the company says, oh, by the way, do you realize that six months ago this happened? And they're like, what? That's right. No way. Yep. Yep. Exactly right. You know, and, and, and you don't even realize sometimes, you know, the, 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 the company, where I was a gateway engineer, um, they started doing uh, phishing simulations where they would test your ability to detect a, a phishing attack. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, and I almost got done one day, you know, because they're, they're a lot more sophisticated than, than they used to be. You know, back when phishing first started, it was, uh, you know, your, your, your prince in Nigeria offering you a large sum of money to hide, <laughs> right? And, and, and of course, it's, it sounds ridiculous, right? Yeah. But it, was a, it became an a, a almost billion-dollar industry. Yeah. And so it was, it was continuous. It became more sophisticated. <laughs> 
Um, and so, so just like I pointed out, you know, the, the human element of any network is the biggest vulnerability. Yeah. And, and so they had to start testing this. They had to make sure that we could detect phishing attacks and not compromise the security of, of all of this expensive equipment that we put in. Yeah. Uh, almost got done. You know, it, it, it became so good that yeah. one day, you know, an email came through and it said, Ben, we need to talk about this invoice. And it was a PDF attached to, to this, this particular document. And I almost opened it and I almost got compromised. <laughs> Whoa. Now, was, uh, it, was it a genuine bad guy attack or was it a, a test? Because I know that a lot of companies now. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. correct. Yeah. That's pretty Just, standard now, is it? Like most of your customers, they do yep. that? Yep. And it's a big, part of, a big part of what we offer. You know, I'm not trying to sell CyberCX. It's not yep. the, uh, the podcast to do that. But um, it is definitely a big part of what we offer in, yep. in CyberCX as well. We, we offer a specialty phishing uh, simulation for a lot of companies um which is very very sophisticated and very very cool to look at so you get a lot of stats out of it actually you know you, you can see like will and ben have both clicked on the link and opened up the url and even entered their facebook username and password so they could be compromised oh my goodness <laughs> you know you, you get all those stats We're in right. big trouble yeah we could be right yeah. but but it's also a great opportunity for people to learn right it, it's not it's never there a big part for me for security is is to help people learn yeah. and help people grow right I'm never there to get anybody in trouble. That's that's not what I want to do. I'm I'm I'm, I'm there to to teach people. So if they if they are ever put in that situation um, where they they have clicked on a phishing link, you know, I'm, I'm there to help them understand um, why we why we investigate these links, why we we sort of use our gut feeling sometimes to look at these emails or or, or documents or whatever it may be, and and mm. and just sort of second guess it, question what its intention intentions are at this point. And that, that particular phishing email that I, I made an uh, example of there where it was a, an invoice that I, I needed to um, look at immediately and that the, the executive would contact me and discuss, you know, it was, that, it was that, that intuition or that gut feeling, you know, first of all, am I in trouble? You know, what, what have I done wrong? And then second of all, hang on a minute, I've never heard of a Gary inside of, inside of this network before. Um, who is this person? And, and then that's the gut feeling or the gut intuition you, you, you need to listen to 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 start your research on these things absolutely it's also like pattern recognition isn't it i can't remember the specific um biological uh thing the name of the tendency that we have the gift that we have as human beings to recognize patterns but um a lot of it is about that pattern interruption like if if you receive an email that's just outside the normal pattern of your day-to-day -day, operationally speaking alarm bells should go off immediately. But some of them are incredibly sophisticated. I, I listen to a lot of um, industry podcasts and um, I was listening to a, a story of a successful attack where the social engineering was so um, nuanced that they had even uh, successfully impersonated the dyslexic tendencies of the CFO. The CFO would write certain words um, misspell them, you know, yep. always because yep. he was dyslexic. And so this particular piece of social engineering was so, so well researched that even the words that he would misspell were misspelt. Mm -hmm. And that's yep. why it was successful because they, I think they, 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 when they kind of, um, did the forensic analysis afterwards and they did the dissection afterwards of what happened, I think the person had said that initially they were suspicious, mm -hmm. but then it was the, misspelling of those words that allayed those suspicions and they went ahead and yep. paid the invoice you know yep. so yep. 
And that's a that's a very sophisticated attack, actually. You know, that's someone who's spent a lot of time researching that particular person. Yeah. And and they've spent that time because it's it's worthwhile, right? There's there's a financial incentive behind that as well. And and exactly like you said, they sent it to someone who can approve a fake invoice and they were paid. Um Absolutely. so so that is that is worth the time and effort for some criminals. Absolutely. Online. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, you know, that's that's the basics of privacy, right? You know, be careful what you post online. Yeah. Um, you know, a lesson for you as well, Will. I know, I know I've seen your Facebook profile online. Yeah. <laughs> um have you? I have. I have. Uh, I, I said this. Come on, I, I do my did. research. You I did, have to. Yeah. It's yeah. part of my job. <laughs> you mentioned swimwear. I hope it wasn't the budgie smuggler ones. Uh well it might have been. Who knows? Yes. Okay. <laughs> You should, uh, you should take a look at your account privacy, perhaps. I should. I should. Yeah, I'm never on Facebook. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, there's another problem, right? Time yeah. to update your, uh, your everything. Time to You're update right. your profile entirely. You're right. Um, but that's, that's the biggest point there, right? You, know, it, you respect the privacy settings that they, they, you can apply these days. Yeah. Go over them, check them regularly. Make sure that any photos you post have or have posted are publicly available. Unless you are a public figure and you want them publicly available. But make sure it's just your friends who can see it, right? And, and, and even then, um, do an audit of your friend list because, because not every friend may be who they seem. Um, you know, I've had, I've had my friends re-add me on Facebook where it's just a duplication of their original account. And I, and I added one once and I thought it was very suspicious that they're re-adding me. And I, I messaged them. I said, hey, have you created another Facebook account? And they said, no. And I went, okay, cool. Someone's copied your account. I deleted it immediately. Um, but that's, that's a big problem in itself. At that point, I created a trust between uh, my account and that account, and they could view and download any information they need to in that brief period of time that I allowed that connection. I think I heard recently that Twitter had deleted something like a billion fake accounts yeah. or something of that nature. Like, is yes. That, yep. So these are all accounts set up for nefarious purposes, presumably. Can be, yes. Can be, wow. absolutely. Yeah. Wow. Or, or if you're a social engineer, uh, fake online identities, right? They call them sock accounts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Making you think, am I, Will? Yeah. No, I'm just, I'm just <laughs> like, yeah. No, no, no. Really. I, I just wonder, like, yeah, it really does, actually. Um, it makes you stop and think about all of your personal habits, you know, online, because, um, Good. It, you know, the thing is, I think that this is really new stuff for everyone, really. Like, it's, and I've, I've been saying this a lot to people recently that it, it seems, I don't know if it's just the reticular activation system that we have, you know, where we suddenly become aware of something. And once you become aware of something for the first time, suddenly you see it everywhere. That's the way the filters of the brain work. Um, and because my life has become so cybersecurity focused, yep. um, it feels like the world is kind of only just waking up to all of this. And I yeah. feel like, um, during the pandemic, the profile of cybersecurity or, you know, cybercrime, I should say, uh, cybercrime has become so, such a daily occurrence, you know. Mm -hmm. um, um, I, I, I know that a lot of, there's been a big increase in incidents during COVID, you know, people manipulating the situation, take advantage, taking advantage of it in the worst way possible. Yeah. Um, and I, I, a lot of my customers have been saying to me, you know, there has been a big increase in cyber incidents up to like 25%. But yep. they've also been saying to me that it's been a bit like um, being on a beach, sitting on your towel with your valuables just there. And all around you, there's other people sitting on the beach. And every now and then when you're not looking, one of them will try and grab your stuff. 
What's exactly? So it's yeah. it's yeah. opportunistic, but not sophisticated. Yeah, yeah, it's a good analogy. Yeah, definitely opportunistic. Definitely, absolutely. Yeah, and 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 in some contexts, is sophisticated too, right? You know, I, I helped a customer recently um, recognize the sophisticated attacks where where they were financially impacted by this, but but I use data in this context to to um, help them understand um, when, how, and and where these attacks were, were occurring, right? Um, and it's it's still so difficult to to detect these things sometimes because you're you're looking for, for particular uh, key indicators on on when these attack attacks happen, um, and I had to use data in a sense to visualize that, and 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 even then, right? You know, the, the data isn't really telling anything until you you've assessed assess the, the, the data as well. So we, we have to do a risk assessment and, and we, we, we risk assess all of those events and, and, and produce a sort of a number outcome, right? And whatever the highest number is, um, we take that and then we, we, we look at those accounts to assess whether those accounts have been compromised or not. So even then, when, when we've got all these indicators that the account may have been compromised, um, could be a, a, a false positive. Um, so we need as much information as we can get to understand whether it has been compromised or not, based on every other event that we can correlate with it. Okay. Okay. It's very. It is very very difficult, especially when you're dealing with hundreds of gigabytes a day, hundreds of thousands of users. You know, it's it's uh, it becomes a real challenge. How how do you do it in your current job? Like, what's the kind of key tool or process that you use to um, look at all that data? Crunch yeah. It and- so. Pick um, that needle out of the haystack. Well, here, here I am talking about other companies and vendors again. <laughs> All right. Um, a, big, a big part of what I do, I do a, a lot of work um, for Splunk. Yeah. Um, so Splunk is a, is a big data tool, effectively, right? But their bigger sell for them is, is security. Um, we, we, when I have customers who come to me with the Splunk work, um, it's often to solve a security problem. But how do we, how do we solve that problem with the... Um, hundreds of gigabytes that they ingest a day. And the biggest way, or the biggest, e- easiest way to solve that problem, excuse me, um, is to develop use cases. Um, so a use case is um, Will has logged into five, or, or, or Will is a privileged user um, or an administrator. And um, we want to know when Will has uh, logged into uh, or, or failed to log into his privileged account five times in a row within a five-minute window, right? That's, that's a use case, and we want, would want to alarm on that one so that we can investigate what, what Will is doing, um, whether it's legitimate or illegitimate um, activity. Um, other use cases could be um, how many times has a user logged in per day? Are they logging into multiple workstations per day? And then why are they logging into multiple workstations per day? Is their account compromised? Are they, account, are they credential sharing? Things like that, right? So we're looking for indicators of compromise. Um, in some circumstances, we do get um, more, more um, uh, direct uh, indicators of, of compromise, uh, and that's where we can use things like. Actually, it's not even you, you never get a you never get a, a sort of hundred percent. This is absolutely a compromise sort of situation because it's an attacker is always trying to stay under under the radar or somewhere somewhere within the the, the data and not not create an anomaly. Um, the moment they create an anomaly, it's something like a DDoS attack. You know, we know that there's an attack happening, and we can block it straight away. Whereas right. an attacker will try and stay within within that data stat and not cause any alarm. Um, so yeah, it's 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 pretty difficult, um, and it's a really good challenge, and it's a lot of fun. You know, solving those challenges for customers. Right. Right. Okay. Is that why they call them zero day exploits? 
So a zero day exploit um, is a little bit different. Um, a zero day exploit is is a is a vulnerability that isn't known to the to the public yet, uh, okay. or to any antivirus vendor or anything like that, right? So, right. So this zero day can be used against anything in in the world um, to exploit and and steal data or right. take over a, a workstation or a computer or or server or whatever it is, right? Um, until it's known in in the wild, it no longer becomes a zero day. Right. Okay. Okay. So the challenge is to is to create one that can get in, take what you need, and then get out without detection, so that it can be reused. Yeah. That well. Yeah. Sort of. That's right. Yeah. Zero okay. zero day isn't known to any other uh, person except for you at the time. Okay. And and that's why things like um, bug bounties exist now, where places like Google, um, Facebook, um, Project Zero all exist now because they're they're all offering uh, any developer out there or any hacker. Um, they can find a vulnerability out in the wild. I'll give them a bounty if they report it. Um, and, and typically they have, I think it's like 90 days to, to report a vulnerability before they can release it as a, as a POC, which a POC is called a proof of concept, okay. where anybody can then um, can play around with that vulnerability effectively, right? So they so, get 90 days to, to, to understand the vulnerability, patch it, fix it, and release it, um, and then be protected against that vulnerability that's been paid for. So it's a, it's a very clever way to um, incentivize hackers not to attack you, but to work for you. Exactly. You, you put exactly up a big, right. a, big, a big amount of money that, I mean, hackers, not always, but often it's about money, right? So it's a bit it like um, if you run a bar, um, giving your, your staff an allowance, uh, like a free drinks allowance, because you know they're going to nick drinks anyway. So you yep. give them like a certain amount of uh, free drinks. You know, yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, the crime. Yeah, you know? yeah, I that's a good way of looking at it, isn't it? Um, but yeah, it does come to the money, right? In the end, if 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 the black market is offering more than the legitimate market, well, where would you sell it, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially if you're not known online. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I think not Apple have I'm got in... like a million dollars, haven't they? They've got a, a million dollar bug oh, bounty yeah. or something so, like that nature. So I know. I know the NSA wants you should, you offered. Should go a, for that, Ben. Oh, mate, I, I, I wish I was that smart sometimes. <laughs> um, I know the NSA offered a, a one million dollar bug bounty for um, finding iPhone vulnerabilities at one point. Um, so you can imagine every hacker was trying to find that vulnerability at one point. I, I suspect that was when when they were trying to break into the terrorist iPhones that they they had at the time. It's a it's a very old story now. It's it's all over the media. Um, but yeah, that was that was quite a few years ago. I think that was. a five or six years ago now um so yeah you should, you should check that stuff out it's pretty cool i will i will i was quite fascinated by the whole zero day exploit thing i was reading up that um australia's actually got some very good zero day exploit labs that um you know uh, will write zero day exploits for iphones and things like that Is and right? sell them to like the CIA and you know it's pretty amazing no the sort of sharp end of yeah cybersecurity and espionage quite an exciting area it could be yeah i've got yeah. to remember the bug bounty project because there are quite a few um yeah. in, in australia yeah bug crowd that's the one i was thinking bug that's crowd. not australian okay. uh, but bug crowd and hacker one those are the two i remember now okay um yeah they offer really good really really good bug bounty programs and and they do a little bit for protecting the the hackers as well i believe as well so yeah uh, but I, I don't deal with that vendor, so I, I can't speak for them, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, but if anybody's listening, you know, check it out. Um, if you're a bug bounty finder or, or a hacker of some sort, right, check them out. They could, they could probably help you out quite a bit. Okay, good, um, good, good. Anyway, good. 
a little bit off track there, aren't we? No, that's okay. That's, that's okay. okay. That's okay. So, so we were we were talking about um, privacy, and uh, did you want to say something about um, good safety steps that everyone can take by way of yeah, a, by so way of a, a wrap up? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, well, we've got the other point there, right? Which is why why wouldn't I do online quizzes? And it can be a very short thing, right? Um, so so I noticed at one point um, on Facebook, at least, a lot of people are doing these online quizzes. Um, you know, what's your favorite movie? What's your favorite color? Uh, uh, what was your first dog's name, right? I'm, I'm starting to detect a bit of a pattern here. Um, you know, the, the, yeah. the alarm bells are going Security off. Security questions. They're all... Right, exactly. I'm, I'm thinking, what's, <laughs> what's going on What's your mother's maiden name? And I think I had to say something at one point. Yeah. I'm like, guys, you, you have to stop answering these questions. You know, they're, they're the same questions that your, your security recovery passwords are. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, absolutely. So it became this, this absolutely wild thing. And, and, and um, Why were they doing it? Were they just flattered that people were taking an interest in them? Well, it's, it's social media, right? People love sharing information. and They love talking about themselves. Yeah. Uh, you know, my first favorite <laughs> movie was Zoolander, right? As the example which it was, by the way, but it's not my security questions answers, so you can't hack me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and, and Zoolander, and everybody... one, two, three. Oh, the first one, of course, right? With, with zeros instead of O's, probably. <laughs> yeah, your password. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, then, then there's like, what was your first dog's name, right? Of course, everybody wants to talk about their first dog. Everybody loves their first dog. Um, but it's, it's a security question as well. Uh, and it, even like talking about where you live, you know, all of these are related back to security questions. And all of these are huge data grabs as well. You put them on Facebook and, and 10,000 people answer these all in one day, right? And you can store all these answers. You get their name, you get their, their answer, and they can start creating targets of attack at this point. So really important you don't answer those questions. <laughs> okay. You heard it here first, folks. Stop doing online quizzes immediately. That's it. Immediately. Yeah. <laughs> or if you're going to do them, don't answer them truthfully. Maybe, maybe a good way. There's some good yeah. stories around that, actually, yeah. not, not answering things truthfully. Um, but anyway, some good safety steps, I suppose, we, we, could, we could finalize this on. Good. Um, so, yes, don't answer online quizzes. That's a really, really good start. Um, now, really, really big thing I push for a lot of my customers is to make sure that you have a multi-factor authentication enabled on any online service. Um, so it doesn't matter whether you're on Facebook, Twitter, uh, you've got LinkedIn. So long as you have some sort of multi-factor authentication enabled on those profiles, you've done a lot more to protect yourself than, than anything else um, because the, the whole premise behind, behind multi-factor authentication is, is, is it's called something you know and something you have. So the something you know is typically your password and it can be as complex as it wants or it can be as basic as, it, as you want. Either way, if someone wants that password, they will get it at some point, especially if you are a target. But then there's the something you have, <clears throat> excuse me, there's the something you have challenge. Mm. bit of water that's right again Ooh. i've been talking for so long oxygen such a dry throat adam's ale <laughs> yeah i should have brought a beer that's a good idea next time next time um so something you have um so something you know and something you have something you know is your password something you have is your multi-factor authentication and it's as something as simple as receiving an sms from the location that you're logging in verifying that it is you that is attempting this authentication process and it will give you typically what's called an OTP or a one-time password. Okay. That can just be a number which they've generated, which they want you to enter into their website to verify that it is legitimately you. You may get an email with a, with a particular code. Again, you go to your email, you copy that particular um, uh, ID at the time, uh, which is, again, it's a one-time password, right? It can't be used after a one-minute or a three-minute period. Um, you lost your camera again. 
got to fix this overheating issue. I know, I know. <laughs> podcast two, podcast Pod, number podcast two. Next. We're doing okay, we're getting there. We're getting. That's there. all right. We're doing well. We're almost done. There's something very endearing about rank amateurs. <laughs> um, so yeah, you know, your one-time password is a very important thing in in your authentication process because it's the best protection mechanism you can have against online hackers. Um, it is it is not a showstopper. You can still get around these. You can still hack people with with MFA. The the complexity has uh, exponentially increased once you apply that uh, factor of authentication in. Absolutely, makes Second, sense. The next points I make are again, um, make sure that your privacy settings online are set correctly. Um, you have to do your own risk assessment on those. Um, you have to determine whether the pictures that you post online are okay to post. Um, you know, if if you're posting photos of of your house, of your of your home keys, those are all photos that you should not post. <laughs> um, if you're posting photos of you being out in public and enjoying ice cream, not a worry, right? That stuff's generally going to be okay. But but even even to go as far as as posting photos of your family online, um, you should always always second guess um, because it's it's creating information for people that they can use against you. Yeah, for sure. And those are my, my big two points, I suppose. MFA, okay. multi-factor authentication, and check your privacy settings. Okay. And uh, those are two absurdly simple, immediately implementable things, right? So exactly. cybersecurity doesn't have to be complicated, folks. In fact, uh, I'm a big fan of the KISS principle. I heard you mention it in your OSINT speech. Uh, keep it simple, stupid. That's the way we should uh, approach <laughs> all things in life, even cybersecurity. Absolutely. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and common sense too, right? Use your common sense and listen to your gut instincts as well. You know, the, 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 there's alarm bells going off for, for a reason and, and, and you've, everyone's got a really good intuition for these things typically. Just got to tune into it. Just got to tune into it. It's not Satan that's talking to you. It's yourself. Listen. <laughs> um, all right. So, Ben, um, people are definitely going to be wanting to get in touch with you. They're going to want to ask you questions. They want to learn more about you, what you're doing, and so forth. What is the best way for people who are listening to uh, get in touch with you, learn more about Ben Menzies, CyberCX, and what you guys are doing at the moment together? Yeah, so you can, you can find me on LinkedIn. Um, just look up Benzies, or you can find me on Twitter. Again, Benzies, hit me up there. Um, happy to answer any questions you may have, as long as it isn't anything about me personally. Yeah. Um, happy to help you in any way possible to help you secure your online identities, uh, anything like that. And maybe I should start a blog just in case a thousand people ask me all at the same time. <laughs> you should you should start a vlog. People want to see that beard. A vlog. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> there there are smiling photos of me with my yeah. beard. They're a little bit shorter, but uh, you know, you get the picture, right? Absolutely, absolutely, and and uh, maybe one day we'll 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 uh, sponsor you for charity to shave it all off, and then hey, on that day you have to come on the podcast again just to I'm freak all people for that. out. I'm all yeah. up for that. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be half the man you you once were. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, what we're going to do is um, uh, that that um, Elif Dennis presentation um, that you alluded to. Do you have yeah, Do you see, have that to share? If you If you can send me the details, I'll put that. I don't. Uh, I'll post I, that with the with the podcast. I don't, unfortunately. Um, any okay. presentation she has done, she's requested not to not have recorded. Oh, okay. Um, see if you can get in contact with her online. She's super okay. lovely. Okay. Very popular lady all the way over in the US. Wonderful. Um, she has hundreds of thousands of people that follow her. I'm sure. So you've got to kind of try and find a way to stand out in the crowd. Okay. Um, 
yeah, but she's she's super awesome, very passionate about what she does, and, okay. and will give you some very good very good tools to use as well. All right, fantastic, fantastic. Ben Menzies, Benzies, I can't thank you enough. It's been a real pleasure. Uh, I could talk to you all night, but sadly, we have to go. You've got a family to get back to. Um, so thank you so much for coming on this You're podcast. Welcome. I've really enjoyed it, and uh, I hope we speak to each other again very soon. Absolutely. Thank Take you. care. Have a See great you. night. Bye.